0: In the word of god if you're able please stand to show reverence to our lord our old testament reading this morning is isaiah 12:2 through 6 behold god is my salvation i will trust and will not be afraid for the lord god is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation Our New Testament reading is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: Please join me in prayer for the word. Lord, we humbly come before you now, knowing that you are with us and that your spirit within us, leads us, and guides us. And as we hear your word, let us be attentive that we may understand your word, that we may not just hear it, but that we may truly listen and understand that, Lord, through your power and for your glory, that we may, as your church, live according to your ways. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. As you know, Advent continues, we're in our third week, and we are in joy. As we're reminded of the Lord's coming, we are anticipating his birth, not not anticipating, we know that he was born 2,000 years ago, but we're anticipating his return, and we do it with joy. It seems like the older I get, and I'm not that old, but it seems like the older I get, it's harder to have joy in my life because there's so many more things that go wrong, right? And there's so many more things that I'm responsible over that go wrong. And so it's hard to find joy in a lot of these things as as a grown adult who can make his own decisions, right? I can do my own thing, I can live my own life. It's easier to become more selfish and self-absorbed and start just blaming everyone else and just get angry at everyone else instead of looking inwardly at how I need to change, and and it's easier to become pessimistic as an adult, especially when you look at all the things in the world, the things going on. As you look at all the issues, the problems, and all the things that are revealed to you as you grow and as you start to understand these things, it it you know you might become more pessimistic in your life. Whether you're a an infant or a child or a teenager or an adult or a senior. I think it grows increasingly harder to have joy, to have true joy in your life. But this is what Paul exhorts us. This is what he encourages us to do as Christians, especially during this Advent season. We are reminded that Christians have this true joy that has been given to us. And that we're not supposed to go around living our lives moping or, you know, being disgruntled all the time or angry or bitter or any of these things. But that as Christians, Paul says that we must have this joy that has been given to us by Christ. And he says something that is just so crazy to me in our New Testament passage today. Philippians 4.4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says again, I will say rejoice now, this is just crazy to me because I don't know about you, but I don't think I can do this, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And so I thought, okay, Paul must mean something else. There must be some kind of hidden meaning here. So I went into the context. I went into the original Greek language, and here's what I found. So the original word in Greek for rejoice is Cairo. And what this word means is to rejoice. Right, wait, 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 wait. And I went to the original Greek word. The, the original Greek word for always is pantate, and this word means always, <laughs> at all times, forevermore. So then, based on contextual and word study, what Paul is actually saying to us is. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is mind-boggling to me because Paul actually meant what he said. There's no hidden meaning here. There's no allegory. There's no hidden illustration here. Paul is just saying to these Philippian Christians, he's saying, always rejoice in the Lord. And he tells us today, 2,000 years later, always rejoice in the Lord. Paul continues to encourage the church to continue on, straining towards that goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is overjoyed because of their initial faithfulness, right, to his ministry to God and their continued faithfulness to him and the ministry that God has given him. And so he continues to encourage and exhort them to continue on, to continue in joy now, of course, the Philippians have shown great perseverance. They've been afflicted. They've been persecuted. There's all things, you know, it's not just a happy life that they're living. And so Paul continues to say, continue to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, there are a few reasons why the Philippians might have been discontent, unhappy uh, in their church. Now, there's not a substantial thing that Paul, you know, specifically wrote about like he does in some of his other letters but well, we can speculate that there, was, there were some problems. It, there might have been a dispute among the church about whether they want to continue to support Paul or not. Right? If, you go, if you've you know, been in any of the meetings in our church, you know that not everybody agrees all the time. I want to support this person, or I want to support this person, or more money should go to this person. So there might have been a dispute of whether they want to help Paul or not. Well, Paul's in prison. Maybe he's not even doing ministry right now. There could have been a dispute among leadership, and we know that there was some kind of dispute between two uh, women in leadership, as he points out in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. There could have been a dispute about Epaphroditus, who he was the one who initially brought the first gift to Paul, but then he fell really ill. The church might have said, well, look what happened to him. We don't want to support Paul anymore. There could have been false teachers, preaching the false gospel within the Philippian church. Whatever the issues, whatever the problems might have been, Paul, he exhorts, he entreats them. He says to remember the humbleness of Christ, to have that humbleness, and to continue to rejoice in the Lord always. And he repeats it. He says again, I will say rejoice. As if he knows that in the Philippian church, or maybe 2,000 years later at Grace Church, when people hear this and read this, they will say, what are you talking about, Paul? How can we rejoice always? Don't you know what kind of situation I'm in? Don't you know we're in a pandemic? How are we supposed to rejoice always? And if we look at Paul's life and when he actually wrote these words, he's not just saying it, to say a good word. We remember that Paul, in his circumstance, was afflicted, was persecuted, was threatened, was even beaten. Beaten sometimes so badly that people thought he was almost, he was dead. He was imprisoned. He was falsely accused. All these things happened to Paul, yet he, in his words, continues to tell them to rejoice in the Lord always. What Paul is saying is that we don't Rejoice in our circumstances because of our circumstances. We don't rejoice in our possessions or what we have. We don't even rejoice because of our feelings, because we feel really good. So we're just going to rejoice in the Lord today. What Paul is saying is that we rejoice despite our circumstances. We are able to rejoice despite our possessions or lack of. We are able to rejoice despite our feelings, because we are not rejoicing in these things. If we look carefully at what he says, he says rejoice, not in these things. He says rejoice in the Lord always. As Christians, our true joy comes when we understand what the Lord has done for us. What Paul is saying here is rejoice exceedingly, you Christians, because you know what the Lord has done for you. So truly, the Lord's salvation is the, the true source of our joy. We are able to rejoice in our lives, regardless of what you know, we're going through. We're able to rejoice because of the Lord's salvation. When we decide to take joy in something else, these things that seem to give us joy temporarily, they actually take away our joy because they fade away and they will fail us and eventually we will have no more joy. The only true joy that is everlasting, that is true, is the joy that the Lord gives us through his salvation. And so we can rejoice always. In his commentary, Moises Silva points out, clearly Paul doesn't have in view the kind of superficial happiness that manifests itself only when things go well. No, no. It is a rejoicing that can be had pantate always, because it depends not on changing circumstances, but on the one who does not change. Rejoice in the Lord. We are able to rejoice always because of the Lord who does not change. His salvation does not change. His love for us does not change. He is true. And so we are able to rejoice always in our Old Testament passage. Isaiah describes the fall and the redemption of God's people. Uh, through, through the, Lord, the, the Lord, through Isaiah, talks about the fall because of their disobedience and their wickedness. Uh, the Israelites have done all sorts of uh, wicked, you know, sinful things towards God. And so he points out to a day where they will become captives. They will be punished for their sins. A lot of them will die, right? He points out all these things. But then he says that he will fulfill his covenant through Emmanuel, this righteous branch that will come to restore and to save them. And then God says, the people who know this righteous branch, who have been saved by Emmanuel, they will proclaim this, what we read in our Old Testament reading. I'll read it one more time. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the confession, God says, that those who know Emmanuel, who have been saved by him, this is what they will confess. This is what they will proclaim, that they will rejoice in the Lord. They will sing and shout. They'll proclaim his name throughout the earth to all the nations. And I love what it says in verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. We who were once lost. We who were once hopeless. We who once did not have a Savior. Now we have a Savior. We have been saved. And so we say, the Lord is my salvation. He is my help in times of need. He is my strength and my song. And so I will not fear, I will not be downcast, I will not turn away, instead I will rejoice because he has saved me. We, just like the Israelites, make this our confession. We don't find comfort in ourselves. We don't find comfort in other things but we find comfort in our Lord, in the strength that he has given us. And this is our confession, that though our circumstance, our life, whatever it may be, is not going the way we want it, though there might not be in in other people's eyes a reason to rejoice, that we will still rejoice because of the Lord. Paul reminds us that through Jesus Christ, when we put our trust in him, Regardless of what we're going through, we are able to give thanks, sing, shout, proclaim the name of the Lord and rejoice in him. And so going back to our New Testament reading, Paul says that when we rejoice in the Lord always, when we understand this true joy that we have been given, there are at least two things that will happen in our lives. Number one in 5a, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does this mean? Reasonableness in the Greek is epikese. And it means gentle, forbearing, fair, reasonable, or moderate. And this is what Strong's Concordance says. It says equitable, gentle, in the sense of truly fair, by relaxing overly strict standards in order to keep the spirit of the law. In other words... This reasonableness is not taking justice, God's justice, God's righteousness into our own hands. Instead, we are gentle towards others, even towards those who might have done something to us, made a mistake, or offended us in some way. It means that we are patient in every situation, trusting in the Lord's timing, trusting that the Lord knows that he's, what He's doing. Reasonableness means that we will be content we will be joyful no matter what our lives look like, no matter how the dice has been rolled, that we will find joy in the Lord. This reasonableness is presented to us by Paul in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul reminds the Christians about Christ's humility. And he says, remember Christ, who was the king of kings, but came down to become a servant. Remember Christ, who was the king of heaven, Yet he came down in the form of a man, a human. And why did he do all these things? For us, to save us. And then Paul tells the the Christians, he says, so then, count others more significant than yourselves. This is what we are reminded to do. As we rejoice in the Lord, we are reminded by Paul To have this humbleness, this humility of Christ, and to count others more significant. Paul talks about in the following verses in chapter 4 of how God has taught him to live in any circumstance. He says, God has taught me to live with much, with abundance, but he has also taught me to live when I have little or nothing or even when I'm hungry. Paul basically is saying in every circumstance, God has taught me to rejoice in him always because I'm not rejoicing in these things. I'm rejoicing in the Lord who has saved me. And so Silva, he continues on in his commentary and says, Paul expects believers to be guided by a frame of mind that does not put priority on personal rights. Believers whose primary concern is whether or not they are being dealt with fairly will fail to exercise a fundamental element of Christian behavior preferring others above themselves. So Paul says, when you rejoice in the Lord always, one of the results of that will be that you will start to think of others even above yourself. You will love others. You will pray for others. You will support and encourage and help others even above yourself. This is the fundamental Christian behavior that results in rejoicing in the Lord always. Because we have that joy of the Lord's salvation. When you have the joy of the Lord's salvation, even when someone does something wrong to you, uh, offends you in some way, you don't bite back at them right away. You don't get angry. You don't get bitter back at them. Why? Because you know what the Lord has done for you. You know that how much mercy, how much grace the Lord has extended to you. And so Paul says, when you rejoice in the Lord then you will count others even above yourself. Secondly, when you rejoice in the Lord, 5b and verse 6, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul comforts the Christians by letting them know That even if they have persecution, even if they've been offended, no matter what happens in their lives, whether they have much or little, the Lord knows and the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming, especially as we reflect on the Advent season. We know the Lord is coming soon, and that is where we put our hope, that the Lord will come with justice and righteousness. In in Isaiah, when the Israelites were going through all of the, the turmoil and the chaos, the captivity and all these things, The Lord reminds them that justice and righteousness are not theirs to be had, but that the Lord will come and the Lord will execute His justice and righteousness. And so those of us who are rejoicing in the Lord always, we find hope in that. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening in my life, I am able to rejoice in the Lord because I trust in Him and I put my hope in Him. So then, We are able to serve God. We are able to serve others. We are able to love one another because of the joy that the Lord gives us. And we don't do this just to do it out of a dry heart, but we're motivated by this joy that God has given us through Christ. When we feel burned out, when we struggle, in our lives, when we struggle with depression or whatever it may be, when we struggle to serve at church because we're, oh man, it just takes so much time, so much effort. We remember the one who saved us. We remember the righteous one who came down and cleansed us of our unrighteousness. We gain strength just as God speaks through Isaiah. He says that the Lord will be my strength. When we rejoice in the Lord, the Lord is our strength. We're able to do these things because of him. When we think about what the Lord has done for us, how he saved us. I mean, when I think about what I was, who I was, what I did, how the Lord has saved me. When we think about this, how can we be disgruntled? How can we go on in our lives complaining about everything? How can we be angry and bitter in our lives when we know what the Lord has done, how, how he has saved me from being dead to my sin to now having eternal life with him? Over the past few weeks, as you, as you all know, Pastor Kenny, he's, he's been very ill. He's been in the hospital. We've been praying for him a lot. Over the past months, we know that we've been waiting for Scott Dylan to come, for God to, you know, get those visas for his family. And a lot of people have shown, have shown their concern, right? Like, oh, are you okay taking on a little bit more of the, the workload? And especially when uh, Kenny got sick, you know, are you okay doing all this work? And, and, and I'm praying for you, and a lot of people are praying for me, and, and I just really love that because I know that people really love me and people are praying for me. But I'm not worried, and you shouldn't be either, that there's a big, heavy burden, a workload. There, it is hard, and it does take a lot of work. But the Lord has been teaching me over these past few months, over these past few weeks, to do this with joy. This is an honor for me to be able to preach the, the word of the Lord every week. This is, this is an honor. It's not something that's burdensome. Serving the Lord and serving his people and serving the church it gives me joy. Why? Not, not just because I'm a, a good person or something. Because I'm not. I'm not a good person. I try to be a good person. But it's because of the joy that the Lord gives me. Because of his salvation. And so when we serve and when we do anything in our lives, we allow the joy of his salvation to motivate us to do these things. Otherwise, we will. We will get burned out. We will start to complain. We will start to become disgruntled. But that is not how we are called to live, Paul says. Paul says we are called to live rejoicing in the Lord always. And so Silva continues. Paul's antidote is very clear. Let joy take the place of your discontent and anxiety. Look away from yourselves to the needs of your brothers. Be willing to yield your rights and privileges for their sake. And as far as your needs are concerned, bring them all before God in an attitude of thankfulness for what he has already given you. If you do this, you will learn what true and unshakable contentment really is. We do have things that we struggle with. We do have things that we have to deal with in our lives. And Paul says, don't worry, I got you covered. He says, bring all those things to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving, and supplication, because he knows, and he's got you. Remember, he started it. He's the one that saved you. He's not going to leave you abandoned. So bring those things to the Lord in prayer. Lay and cast to him all your burden. And just as Silva says, then then you will learn, then you will know what is true and unshakable contentment. And so, church, let us rejoice in the Lord always, for it is the Lord who has extended his grace, and he has loved us, and he has saved us. So in a world where it is increasingly harder to find joy, and you will certainly not find it in the news or in the politics. I'm just letting you know. When we can't find joy in our lives, in our circumstances, when we can't find joy with our children because they're not listening to us maybe our grandchildren let us be reminded of the salvation that the Lord has given to us let us be reminded of how we were wretched and we were lost and we were dead in our sin and through Jesus Christ God saved us and he has given us eternal life and so let it be this joy that motivates us to serve God to love him to serve others and love others, and even count others more significant than ourselves. Let it be this joy that gives us patience and endurance during hard times, just like Paul in his imprisonment, just like the Philippians in their persecution. Let this joy drive us to trust in the Lord. Let this joy give us comfort and hope and strength and peace in the Lord's salvation Especially when the whole world, now in this season, is looking to Christ because of Christmas. Whether you're secular or not, you're Christian or secular, we're all looking at Christmas. We all know that it's about Christ. Let this be an opportunity for us to show the watching world the joy that we have in Christ. Not because of our circumstances, not because of our possessions, but because of the Lord. And let us be a light and a witness of the joy that Christ has given us. And when we find that our joy is seeming to run dry, let us heed the words of Isaiah and let us remember that there is a well, a well of salvation that never runs dry, and we can dig from that well as much as we want. And from that well of salvation, we will find the joy of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And we thank you for your salvation that through your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, you have saved us. We who are wretched, we who are once lost, we who were once dead in our sin, You have made us alive together with your son, Jesus Christ. You have given us eternal life. And you have given us a reason to rejoice. Every moment, every day, always. And so Lord, let us heed your words through Paul. As Christians, let us live every single day of our lives rejoicing in your salvation. And Lord, let us show Through your spirit, to this watching world, this great joy that you have given us, that those who may not know you will come to know you and praise and glorify your name. As a church, Lord, give us this joy. Let us remember this joy, and let us rejoice in you, Lord, every every single day, and we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.